Hello, welcome back to the Take On podcast, or welcome if you're new. This week's episode with Ryan is such a good one. Well, I love the topics we got into. We chatted about his very young, early on career in fashion, which he started when he was only 12 years old. I can barely wrap my head around that. And his pivot into interior design, as well as imposter syndrome and defining your own personal style. What I think stood out to me the most, though, in this interview is Ryan's overall mindset. He has a very positive mindset, and I think it really shines through throughout this interview. Something that he said when we were talking about imposter syndrome that really stuck with me was whether you are the biggest of the big or whether you're getting to be the biggest of the big. And it wasn't even the main point of what he was saying. He was just saying it in passing. But I feel like it really shows his, yeah, just super positive mindset. And it's something that's really inspiring to be around. So I hope that you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Ryan, I'm so excited to have you join me today. And I'm so glad we're able to do this face-to-face too. I feel like it's just way better that way. So... Very happy. Yeah. Thanks Um, for having me. Yeah. So I guess to jump right in and go way back in time, I think it's so crazy that you started Zide, which started as a digital fashion magazine, right? And then turned into a blog later on. Yeah. And you started that when you were in middle school, right? Yeah. So tell me about that. Gosh, that was so long ago. I think uh, for me, it's like design has always been like a part of who I am. So like whether I was, you know, a kid, I always gravitated towards like, you know, playing games or being imaginative and understanding like the world through the perspective of like the imagination and design. So I think that like as I started to grow up, even though, I mean, that was so long ago already, like technology started to play a role into the way that I was thinking about design. And at the time I was gravitating towards like fashion and fashion as a medium. And so... Yeah, I founded this fashion magazine where I could play with photography and clothing and design. And it just like quickly took off, which I wasn't necessarily expecting at a young age. And then I started attending Fashion Week and I realized, you know, doing a fashion magazine, an online fashion magazine was one thing, but I wasn't able to necessarily connect to a lot of people and have conversations and mm-hmm. and do some of the things that I wanted to do. And so that kind of branched into me understanding like the world of blogging and what that necessarily meant for culture and design. And so I just shifted like it totally organically into something that was, you know, a morphable platform versus doing something that, you know, I had to like plan and design and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And and so you were one of the early, pretty early on blogging then too, right? Yes, but it's like, it's a funny thing because I never like associated myself with being a blogger. Yeah, because it was more (laughs) fashion magazine, but... Yeah. As, in a blog form. No, like, yeah, like, I, I definitely was, you know, being categorized as that, but I quickly, you know, became bored of that space because mm-hmm. it took off really, really quickly. And it was something like, A, I was super young and I wasn't prepared to dive into something so intense. Mm-hmm. And that platform was definitely, like, becoming newer. So there wasn't necessarily, like, standards or rules or guides to within the industry to create those types of um, platforms and things like that. But like the thing to me, like it was always like, you know, brand, the the medium is the brand and 
fashion at the time was like the thing for me that like I gravitated towards. And I really like to understand like how to physicalize brands and understand brands and be creative in that in that sense. So the blogging thing like became it quickly like dissolved. Yeah. Um, you know, once I moved to New York and things like that, because it, it was it was less about me and more about, you know, the things and the people and, and the brands and that kind of thing and yeah. design. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And so when you first started it, what did you expect from it? Like, was it just a creative outlet for you and then yeah. it transformed? I didn't yeah. expect anything from it. I think that like it was during the time, gosh, what was it called? Like Apple launched something like through their iBooks platform. And it was like some sort like you could create magazines and work with like their publishers Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually never even heard about that. Yeah, so time. it was it became published and accepted. I think it launched with like 52 countries around the world, which I was like, oh my gosh, at like such a young age, I couldn't yeah. even like imagine. I feel like I wouldn't even be able to wrap my head around yeah. that at like 13 years old. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. What was your experience in fashion like and what made you decide to pivot to more of the interior design world? Yeah, so the pivot was totally organic, but I'll start in with my like love of fashion I just yeah. I always gravitated towards that space because it I and I still feel this way to this day and I think it's an industry and it's it's a it's an area of design that really touches upon all aspects of design and business mm -hmm. and it's one of those really unique spaces that you're able to you know, design a lot and then also, you know, get really nitty gritty into the business stuff and, that's and exactly. work. It's funny that you say that because yeah. that's why I went to school for fashion marketing because yeah. I love that it's that blend of creativity totally. and the real world business application of yeah. it. So, yeah. Yeah. So I always gravitated towards that. And then I went to Parsons and my goal was to like, I had, I don't want to sound cocky or anything, but like I had the design and the creative stuff down. And so like mm -hmm. my goal was to actually find a program to do undergrad in that I was able to like learn the business side of things. So I actually went to Parsons and I have a business degree of all things. <laughs> <laughs> and my goal there was to, you know, keep working in fashion, keep doing the things that I was doing, keep connecting with the people that I connected with when I created the blog and Zide and all that stuff. But I wanted to understand how to like physicalize fashion brands and like really understand them in like a, a 3D, a three-dimensional space. Yeah. So I guess that's like how I got to where I am today. And like the pandemic played a huge role in the pivot and the shift of my career only because it was like, you know, I was working in fashion and fashion took a huge hit during the pandemic. And it also mm -hmm. became more and more stressful if I'm being like totally transparent, like even yeah. before the pandemic, because even though the fashion space has so much like so many things and so much to offer. It definitely is like, you know, you constantly don't feel secure, I think, in in the positions that you have and in the industry because it's so dependent on finances and trends and people and yeah, of um, course. I, yeah. I of course know what you mean yeah. with trying to launch a clothing rental platform during yeah. COVID. It's mm -hmm. been you know, it always feels like I'm on this rocky footing and could just fall off a cliff at yeah. any second. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I was working with big brands and, and some pretty cool people before the pandemic. And I just organically started to pivot. And I kind of had this moment. I also grew up in a really creative household. And my mom, actually, she founded a PR agency here based in Medicine Avenue. And she It's closed now, but she had it for 30 years. 
And my dad is like, uh, he creates companies essentially. So like the three of us like are like three peas in a pod when it comes to this kind of stuff. That's amazing. That's so fun. Yeah. And so like when the pandemic was happening and when I was like, you know, figuring out all these years that I spent in fashion, sounds so funny to say that, but like we kind of, I and my mom and him had an idea. My dad had an like this epiphany where it's like, you know, space is where it's at and like Mm -hmm. a home is so important especially now more than ever yeah and not only that like in fashion the thing that was really gravitating towards me was like understanding the experience of fashion and Mm -hmm. what makes it experiential and 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 how can you create brands in a physical way and connect people in a physical and connect brands to a physical environment in a physical environment yeah so yeah i mean that's kind of it in a nutshell Mm -hmm. but like the takeaway from that i think is like I've always loved experience and like the key to everything that I have done has always been experiential and try to create stuff in a physical sense. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like the biggest takeaway from your work in fashion before you moved into interior was like those physical experiences and then transitioning that into more of home design as opposed to fashion? Yeah. And so like when I now when I like have my design studio and things like that and I have a project or a client. I always like to say that, like, I throw all the rules out the window, and this is about this is a a project of experience versus interior design. So it's like my inspiration always comes from hotels, my travels, you know, working in the fashion space, and even understanding retail now versus yeah. when it used what it used to be, and all of those little things help, you know, create the end product with the client, and even like kickstart the design process for me. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, you know, when I think of, you know, a kitchen, I can't necessarily think of a kitchen. Like my mind goes to like, you know, a beach mm-hmm. or like, you know, when I get a bathroom, it's like, it's not a bathroom. It's, you know, something else. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah. So do you feel like your process is a lot different than someone who went to interior design school for that reason? Like, <laughs> yeah. is it just a completely different process? Yeah. And yeah. I get nervous too sometimes where it's like, it's, you know, this is something that I I actually never thought I was going to do. You know, okay. I always thought even when I was going to Parsons and I had, you know, my idea was to design stores and brands and things like that. I would always think, okay, you know, who are those interior designers? What are, what are the trends of interior design and who am I going to work with and create that kind of mood board for myself? I never thought I was going to be that person, you yeah. know, that would be designing the spaces and things like that. So yeah, I, I I definitely plays an interesting an interesting role not studying interior design. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't yet haven't had an issue where somebody has been like yeah no, has I- pointed that out, but. I think it really creates a cool conversation between me and the client. Yeah, I would imagine so. And I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm in fashion, but I think having someone who has a more multifaceted background in design would be amazing to have Mm -hmm. designing my home because I feel like they bring more into it than specifically being honed in on interior their whole life. So, So, yeah, that's exciting. Thanks. And so when I kind of prep for one of these interviews, I always Mm -hmm. do air quotes because I feel like it's just kind of a conversation, (laughs) but I always think of like the number one thing that sticks out to me about the person. And when I was thinking of you, I feel like your personal style has always been so defined and so (laughs) consistent. Whereas like, because I've... I, like we were talking about this before. I don't even remember when we met, but it was definitely years ago. Yeah, years so I've ago. been seeing and it's like 
you obviously have evolved over the years, but I, I feel so. like <laughs> your style, and although your style has evolved too, it's quite consistent at the same time. And so I'm curious on your perspective of like defining your own personal style. That is such an interesting question because like I don't feel at all like I have had consistent personal stuff. Really? That's so interesting. (laughs) Thank you, though, because it is something that I have actually, like, it seems, I guess this is, this might be a really cliche thing to say, but, like, personal style has always been something that I, not always, but I struggled with that a lot, especially when I, you know, I started the fashion platform and I was always in and out of New York, but I didn't move to New York full time until, until college. So it's like, especially when I came to New York, is when I kind of had that like cliche, like, oh my gosh, like my style sucks. Like I need to like elevate, you know, my personal style and who I am and and how I dress. So that's such a compliment that I that oh. you gave me. Oh, well good. <laughs> um, I, yeah. Yeah. I think I I have that moment especially like coming back to New York, like mm-hmm. I, I get very comfortable in my Vancouver world and I'm like, oh, like I've got it. I've got everything fine. Yeah. But I get back to New York and I'm like, oh my God, I need to step it up. Like, what am I wearing? That's so <laughs> it happens funny. To me every you time look I so out. cool though now. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I've gotten to the point where it's like, I had, I was always ex- like, I was always experimenting with what I, how to express myself in high school. And especially when I started college and I moved to New York, like my big thing was like, I thought I was like punky and like, you know, I I wanted to like, you know, really play with my personal style. But it it wasn't until, you know, I actually settled down in New York is when I realized like I have a very particular style. Mm-hmm. And I think that like personal style to me is something that I cherish and hold really near near to my heart because it's it's something where I kind of started in that place where it was like, to, at least to me, I guess not to you and other people, but <laughs> I was all over the map with like how I dressed and like how I expressed myself. And then I totally narrowed it down to like almost this really like stressful place where it was like, this is how I dress, this is what my place looks like, this is this. And now I've kind of come to this this nice middle ground, I yeah, guess, where it's like, medium. yeah, where it's like I... I definitely have rules, not rules, that sounds so silly, but like I definitely have the things that I gravitate towards Mm -hmm. and it's usually like I wear no color and like I only wear neutrals and, but I like to play a lot with like, you know, the shape of things and the structure of things and the texture of things and that's something that translates throughout everything that I design now. The connection between like my personal style and like my, I wouldn't say like my industrial style or like the way that I design for other people mm-hmm. is like that thread of texture and shape. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I was going to ask how that kind of translates into your, how your personal style translates into your work. And so that makes a lot of sense. And mm-hmm. do you feel that it's helped you in your career that people might gravitate towards you knowing you have a specific style? Like both in interiors and in fashion, or do you feel like when you were working in fashion, that's when you hadn't defined as much yet? Mm-hmm. These are actually really interesting questions. <laughs> it's like stuff that I think about, but like mm-hmm. I don't actually talk about, like talk yeah. about it out loud, which is kind of fun. I think that when I was working in fashion is when I was really able to experiment with my personal style, and I think that mm-hmm. that industry was something that really helped me define my personal style. And when it comes to interiors, I would hope that people are hiring me 
for my style. That's yeah. actually something that like for some people if they if I get the question like, oh, you know, I'm doing I'm doing a house or I'm doing this and I don't know if I want to work with a designer and and whatever and, and they're talking to me about that particular like, you know, I wouldn't want to call it a struggle, but like that trying to understand if I should work with a designer, if I shouldn't, mm -hmm. it always, I always come down to like, well, you know, when you're getting a designer, you're kind of buying their style and you're, they're bu you're buying their taste and, and their eye and those types of things. And for me in particular, there are those designers out there that I watch mold their style to the client. But for me, I really want to have these experiential opportunities with my client and, and create something that's really, it's really able to blend and merge and, and it, it really is my taste, like my, st I really like to put my style on the line for these people and create something. I mean, even with my personal style, it's like, to me at this point, I think it's extremely neutral. So it's something that can work as like, especially with the client, which I've had before where, you know, it could even be like what I do for the person is the base and, you know, it's just like the bottom, yeah. the base of what we design. And then, you know, you can throw on your own little touches on the top, but Yeah. Yeah, okay. That <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. And so this is just kind of off topic, but it made me start thinking about how you started in fashion when you were so young. Mm -hmm. So then going into young adulthood, I would imagine you didn't struggle with imposter syndrome the same way that probably a lot of people oh, were no, just starting. Oh, I did. Oh, you did? Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. so tell me, Mark, and, and tell me if now switching into a different mm. career path has made it like... No. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. okay, so explain. <laughs> I think that that's a question I've actually gotten before. And that's something that I actually like to talk about with my friends or people that, you know, are also in the design industry too, because I think that's such a normal thing, having mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. And it's like such a funny, it's like I still get it when I'm hard on myself, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's just like, yes, I get it. And how do I deal with it? Is that the question? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I don't know, that's such a, I think it's such a normal thing to have it, you know, mm. and I think it all comes down to like, I had this really cool conversation a few weeks back where it's actually tied into this and it's about the ego and it's something that I used to work on a lot, which is the ego and I actually studied, studied acting oh, right around here actually, which I was having deja vu. Were you studying it just as like a just hobby? Just for fun. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I had this like inkling to like study it yeah. okay. <laughs> and have fun with it and then it like the the takeaways was actually is on topic with this question because it taught me so much about life mm -hmm. and about the ego and about that feeling of like being an imposter yeah so like my thing is like for anyone out there that has this feeling you know you're doing something and like you should feel good about what you're doing and whether you know you're whether you're the biggest of the big or the or you're getting to be the biggest of the big it's like you know everyone i have talked to whether they're like you know a top interior designer or interior stylist or an intern it's like they all kind of talk about this imposter syndrome and like i just think like embrace your ego embrace what you create embrace kind of who you are and the things that you're able like you're capable of and you're able to create and you're you should just be comfortable mm -hmm. with that imposter syndrome, I guess, because it's like, it's a silly thing, I yeah. think, you know? And I think the more I talk to people, I used to be way harder. Well, I would be hard on myself and I'd be hard on myself for having imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So it was like this horrible spiral. Yeah. And the more I talk to people, actually, especially through doing the podcast, and I recognize that 
like you said, no matter what level you're at, it's something you're going to deal with. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like to just ride with it and keep going regardless of yeah. how you're feeling. Because I find for me, it's kind of like a roller coaster. Like there are weeks where I'm like, oh, no, like I'm fine. I, I'm meant to be here. And then I'm like, OK, no, I'm not. <laughs> I can't do yeah, this. So exactly. to just ride it and I don't want to say ignore it, but almost like accept, I just accept, accept it. it. Yeah. Or like yeah. coach yourself through it almost because it's like you did do these things, you know, Mm. and that's the thing that I have to tell myself too, where, you know, in some of the things I did, I got the recognition that I wanted. For me, I'm really hard on myself. So it's like the imposter syndrome comes in when it's like, I feel like I either could have worked harder or did this. And then I start like having this funny Mm -hmm. little dialogue, which I'm sure we all have, Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, you know, maybe you don't deserve this or deserve blah, blah, blah. And -hmm. it's like, those are those things where it's like, then you have to remind yourself, at least what I do is like, no, I did do that. And I have done this. And this is what I have created. And these are the things that I am capable of creating. Mm -hmm. And there are people out there that will recognize what you do. But it's also like, if you're enjoying what you're doing, and you understand what you're capable of, then you're not an imposter, you're figuring out life. Definitely. (laughs) And I think with that, also celebrating the small wins, I think Uh really helps me. That's been a really useful tool for me that I learned from a life coach, actually, because I found myself, I would be happy with my achievements, but then it reaches a point where the achievements get bigger and Mm -hmm. longer to attain. So suddenly it was like I was not proud of myself for three months because I hadn't hit that next milestone. But to be proud of yourself for all the little steps in between, I think can really help with that too. Yeah. And so... Tell me a bit more. I know we talked about a bit about your interior work, but tell me about your work with Kahlo Collective mm-hmm. and how – so for, first, if you could just summarize kind of what you do with them for the listeners. Yeah. So it's actually – it's twofold. Okay. <laughs> I revamped their interior space. So it's a boutique out in Westchester in Pound Ridge, New York, and I grew up in Westchester. And so I redid their interior space. Oh, okay. I didn't even actually realize yeah. that part. Okay. It wasn't a full interior redo, but we mm-hmm. kind of focused on like flow and then the soul of the brand and just created a revamped interior space. Mm-hmm. But on October 15th, we launched a collaboration that is all centered around bringing the hotel home, which is one of my... Wow, I love that. That's yeah. like my goal in, in my home space. It's I one of always my passions. think about that. Yeah. Yes. And whenever I'm with a client or, you know, I present a mood board, there's always like something, someone would know something's up with me if like the mood board didn't say like resort-like or, yeah. or you know, a reference a hotel or a place that I've been. So with the collective, it's an eco-chic destination. We created a curated, we created a curated bunch of global goodies okay. that um, is available through the collective and online on my website. And it's all geared towards having like, you know, a sensory experience at home or or creating that hotel-like atmosphere. So, yeah, so we launched right now. It's semi-permanently popped up, but we don't have a date to end it. We definitely know we're going to go through the holidays. But, yeah. It's just oh, my like, gosh, I'm going to stop by while I'm in town. Yes, yeah. we should take a trip out to Westchester because yes. it's super fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were also doing digital strategy for them throughout COVID, right? I did, yeah. So that was during my... Hibernation period, I guess. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was like my, again, like the interior design was so organic. And Ryan Matthew Interiors was such an organic happening in my life that I had no 
I was, I just, I just plopped there. Like I just mm -hmm. all of a sudden had people asking me how to do their homes and what they should do for their bedrooms or their work from home or this or that. And intermittently between like working in fashion, I took on some, you know, strategy projects and things like that, which is okay. what I went to school for. Yeah. Design strategy. But I never, I never set out to be a design strategist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it was just like that business. I wanted, yeah, yeah. I wanted the business. I wanted to supplement my design capabilities with business, which mm. I think is, everyone always says that that's a really smart thing to yeah, do. Yeah, very smart <laughs> and savvy and working with the times, like working with yeah. what you're given. But I never, like, unless it was subconscious, it wasn't like a thing where I was like, I'm going to go to school and do that. Like, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. but it just happened that way. That's great. And so did you find it difficult since you're all about the experience mm -hmm. to translate that experience in a digital environment? Was Not that at all. Okay, so it came naturally. Okay. Yeah, I okay. think, and I say this really lightly, and I acknowledge everything that happened during COVID as well, but in in a very optimistic way, COVID was so interesting to me, and it was a really awesome time mm -hmm. for... It's a lot of opportunity. Yes, an understanding experience, mm -hmm. because not only did every type of physical experience shift, but all digital experiences shifted and and experiences became digital. So it was really fun for me to get to talk to either brands or friends that had brands or, you know, friends that were starting brands and trying to understand like, how does your, what does your brand look like and what is the experience of that? And I loved it. And, and that's what I still like to do with my clients too, where it's like the easiest thing for me to do sometimes is like I will in my head or when I start a project, it's like I completely brand their space as like a hotel or something. And oh and I God, see that makes it so fun. So fun. Yeah. And so and it also like in my head, that's kind of how I think about things and how I was mm -hmm. planning on thinking about things. So it just like also creates just like this really fun at home experience. Yeah. Where it's like any possibility can happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. And do you want to work with hotels in the future? Yes. Would that be a goal? Yeah. Yes. That would totally. be amazing. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And so to kind of wrap things up, mm -hmm. do you have a resource, whether that be a book, a podcast, anything that you that brings you a lot of value and you would recommend for listeners? Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. A book that I would recommend. Mm. A little cliche, but I think it should be having a renaissance right now just because of everything that's going on is the philosophy. It's, I don't know the title necessarily off the top of my head, but it's all about the philosophy of Wabi Sabi. Oh. Um, and it's for poets, designers, and artists. Oh, amazing. I haven't heard yeah, of this. Yeah, it's a really cool And they are just, There's two books. And, you know, Wabi Sabi is all about, like, appreciating and understanding the imperfections in life and in and, and things and in design. And it is a principle and a philosophy that follows me through my design process. So I think that it also is a very cool tool to use in everyday life as well. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll link to that in the show notes too. So everyone yes, can check I'll send out. you like the proper title and the okay, link. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. But it's like always, both of them have always been sitting like in my living room or like in my bedroom or like in my college dorm. Like I've always had those books with me forever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Love that. Well, thank yes. you so much, Ryan. I'm so yes. glad you came on. Thanks, and I'm glad to get to know you on a deeper level, too. Yeah. This yeah. was super fun. Yay. It was thank actually you. my first podcast. Really? Believe it or not. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yay. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you.